0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at our As I dive into this morning, I want to say something that I know that most of you will understand. I absolutely love Cajun land. How many of you love living in Acadiana? I can remember. Yeah. For those of you that don't, move to Texas for a year and then come back and you'll appreciate what you got. Ain't that right, EJ? Come on. Well, I love Acadiana because there's so many great things about our region. I love the culture here. I love the people, I love the smiles on the faces of the people. It's just an enjoyable place to live. I remember moving to, so I came here to Acadiana right after Hurricane Katrina, literally. I lived in Gulfport, Mississippi, um, where the eye of Hurricane Katrina actually hit the right side of the eye, and it took me about a, three days, actually, to get here from Mississippi. And I remember coming here and falling in love with this place and then God sent me back to Mississippi to build my character. Um, And I was there for seven years and absolutely missed this region. Now there's so many great things about it, but one of the things that we're known for is food. The food here is second to none. I was hosting a pastor from San Antonio, the last two days and he told me something he's a hispanic gentleman and he said pastor i love food he said i love mexican food i think mexican food is the best food in the world he said until (laughs) he said i was taken to a gas station in acadiana (laughs) and had the best food i've ever had in my entire life come on we know that's the truth that is the truth and so we know that there's things about this region that just embody who we are we we represent certain things when you say hey I'm a Cajun when you go to another part of the country and say I'm a Cajun people are going to start asking you questions about gumbo they're going to start asking you questions about LSU come on somebody And the Cajuns, all right. We'll we'll give some love to our Cajuns as well. But we embody something. Now, to take that a step further, when I, I have, I'm not like a global world traveler. I've been to a couple countries where I've had the opportunity to do ministry. And I've noticed that when you go to another country and you say you're an American, that means something to those people. When you go to another country, you are representing something to them. They don't know you personally, but they know that you represent something. So as an American, when you go there, in some cases you represent to people in other nations, you represent wealth. You represent the type of life that they one day hope to have. Those are some of the blessings of being a part of this nation. Now I'll say this, our country is far from perfect, but I still to this day believe it is the best country in the world right now. And we are blessed to be here. And if you don't believe that, go to some impoverished nations where even the poorest of the poor in America would live like kings in those impoverished nations. It's the truth. Now, to certain people, that's what an American represents. To others, it represents a chance to have a a relatively free society because they live in a complete dictatorship. We don't understand what a full dictatorship looks like. There are certain people who are literally told everything that they are supposed to do from the amount of children they're supposed to have to where they're supposed to work to the caste system, you will never rise above this. There's a lot of different things that when you say you're an American, the people in certain countries, it represents freedom to them. For other people, you go and being an American represents Hollywood. They think movies, TV, athletes. You could be a skinny little nerd and they're gonna think athlete. <laughs> For others, however, being an American represents greed to them. They see you and they think, well, you're part of that greedy nation who uses up all of the resources in the world. For other, pa- other places, they're going to hate you just because you are an American because of how the lens in which their culture and their society views you, because you represent any and everything that they feel like America has done to their people. You represent that. Now, it's not about who you are in those moments. It's about what you represent. Now, in that same vein, I want you to see something, biblically speaking. You, as a believer, represent something far greater than the country and the origin in which you come. As a believer, you represent a different kind of kingdom. You represent a kingdom that has no end. Tomorrow we celebrate the 4th of July, the declaration of independence that our nation put forth on January 4th, 1776 which makes our nation around 246 years old. But you represent a kingdom that began over 2,000 years ago. A kingdom that has no end. A kingdom that will be here 2,000 years from now as well. We represent the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ is our king. That's what we represent. Now I wanna go to the Bible in the book of Ephesians because I wanna read something to you that I think is very pertinent to us today. Ephesians chapter four, verse one, this is what it says. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. The Apostle Paul here is in prison, having suffered and is suffering for the sake of the kingdom that he represents. The work that God asked him to do, empowered him to do. And he went about faithfully doing that. And that landed him in prison. And he says to this this new church in Ephesus, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your, say it with me, calling. Live a life worthy of your calling. Now, the book of Ephesians is a very interesting book. We're not going to dive into it completely today, but soon we're going to do a series on the book of Ephesians, the entire book, and dive into that book and unpack it. I promise it won't take a full year like the book of Acts, but we're going to do that soon. It may only take a half a year. Praise God. There it is. All right. But the Apostle Paul says, live a life worthy of your calling." Now he just spent the first, this is chapter four, verse one, he had just spent the first three chapters explaining to them who they really are. What is that glorious calling? Who has God called them to be? Because they, I'm sure, did not see themselves fully the way that God sees them, the same way that many of you here today do not see yourself the way God sees you. When you look in the mirror, you see certain things about yourself that he's already washed in the blood. You see certain things about your future that he says, that's no longer your future because I've redeemed you. This is what I have for you. And so Paul was taking those first three chapters, explaining to this brand new people who they really are. And I love the language that he uses. He says, lead a life worthy of your calling. See, before you can work, walk, excuse me, worthy of your calling, you have to know what that calling is. You have to understand, that's why he took those first three chapters explaining what the calling is so that he could begin to show them how to walk it out. Who are you? What are you called to? What does God say about you in your present circumstances right now? That is important for us to know. And that's what I want to begin to unpack this morning. Lead a life worthy of your calling. I love the language Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. we We're not going to go there. But verse 20, he says, I'm an ambassador of Christ, or for Christ. As a Christian, as a believer, you are an ambassador for Christ. Do you know what an ambassador does? They represent their country. They represent the kingdom that they are a part of. We are ambassadors for Christ. You are a part of this earthly system. But you're not, that's not your home. Your home is a different kingdom. A kingdom that we're going to go back to one day. And we represent that kingdom to the present kingdom in which we live. We're ambassadors for Christ. Now I want to focus on this phrase, called to. He says, walk lead a life worthy of your calling another translation says walk worthy of your calling what are we called to I asked this question to a number of young leaders that I have of a group of young leaders that I mentor once a month we get together we ask questions and we talk through different things many of them were a call of God on their life to serve in ministry and I asked them the question what is the primary calling of God on your life And I wanna share with you some of those answers, but I can already tell you some of the answers that I know most of you would think of when I ask that question. What is your primary calling? Primary calling. First, most important. Some of you would say this. I'm called to be a good husband. Or I'm called to be a good wife. My marriage is first. It's a good answer. I'm called to be a good mom. called to be a good dad. I'm called to be a good boss. I'm called to be a good employee. I'm called to fight for justice in this land. I'm called to be a prayer warrior. Come on, prayer warriors. I'm called for that. That's my primary calling. I love to pray. Some of you say, pastor, I feel like I'm called to full-time ministry. That's my calling. That's what I believe God has called me to do. And those are great answers. Some of you would even say, I'm called to be a missionary. I'm called to go to the nations of the world and to bring the kingdom or to help the poor or to bring medical attention to those who need it in foreign nations or help rebuild other nations or even our poorest of communities here in Acadiana. That's my calling. All of those are wonderful answers. All of them are great answers. All of them are the wrong answer. They are all the wrong answer. I've heard my pastor, Pastor Jacob, he taught me this, and I've said this a number of times recently, but I'm gonna say it again. He taught me, my job is to set your trap, your, tra- your job is to take the bait. <laughs> so I did, I set you up. Because as amazing as all of those things are, none of them are your primary calling. When I say your primary calling, again, I mean what is first? what is most important? What is the initial call of God on your life? If we're going to walk worthy of it, we have to understand what it is. We have to understand what he wants from us, what he requires of us. If we're supposed to walk worthy of something, how can we walk worthy of it if we don't even understand what it is? And I want to I simplify this calling for you this morning because The apostle Paul gives this big elaborate explanation, the first three chapters of it, but I wanna go to a very, very simple form of it and everything he said was right, but I wanna begin with the simplest part of this. What is our calling? What is God's calling on our life? Now again, before I dive into it, what separates a calling from God from some abstract purpose in the world or abstract meaning in which the world is constantly looking for. I need meaning, I need purpose, I want all of these things. The difference between purpose and calling is, I love the way Os Guinness put it in his book, called The Call, he says this, there's no calling unless there is a caller. There is no calling unless there is a caller. In other words, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who created you, he knows why he created you. He knows why he made you. He knows the purpose that he's attached to your life, and you cannot find that apart and devoid from him. So the people in the world who look for meaning and and significance apart from God are looking in vain because it's God who calls us and God who gives our life purpose and meaning. Y'all with me this morning? Life is not about finding significance apart from our creator. Significance is only and can only be found in God. So, Pastor, what is my primary calling, you may ask? Rather than just tell you, I want you to see it for yourself in the Bible. I want to take a look at the life of two men in Scripture who received this call from God. They got this initial, primary, most important calling from Jesus himself, and I want you to see that. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter one, verse 16. And I wanna read this story to you. And I want you to see the beauty of it and the simplicity of it. Verse 16, this is what it says. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now let's pause there. These are two fishermen doing what fishermen do. They're out on the boat. They're doing their job. They're living a normal, good little Jewish life. This is what their dad did because many scholars tell us that in that time, you did the the job or the occupation that your dad did. So if your dad was a fisherman, you were going to be a fisherman, probably because his dad was a fisherman. And it it was a recurring cycle. This is what we do. This is the normal flow of life. We're going to do what's expected of us. What does the culture expect of us? That's what we're going to do. That's what these two men found themselves doing. Now, many of us find ourselves in the same category, in the same boat, because we do what's expected of us. We do what our family has always done. Many of us don't live up to the call of God on our lives. We live up to what the, the call of our family on our life. We live up to our last names. I'm a Boudreaux, pastor, I get drunk. That's what we do. Why do you get drunk all the time? Because I'm a Boudreaux, didn't you just hear me when I said I was a Boudreaux? Right, or how about this one? I'm an A-Bear. We sleep around. Y'all must know some A-Bears. <laughs> 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 I said A-Bear, y'all like, ooh. ooh, ooh. Doesn't get me started Ontario's. I can't. I can't say that in church. My gosh, y'all are. Sometimes when you're preaching, you know that you're right when you. (laughs) Listen, there's certain things that we, we think because this is my name, I have to live up to this or this is what I was conditioned to do or this is what we have always done and we simply go along with the trend of it. Some of it's great, some of it's not great. But we go along with those patterns and those trends and that's where these two men found themselves. Simply doing what their dad did who was only doing what his dad did. And they would have lived their life going to work, fishing, doing well, providing for their family, and that would have been the cycle of their life until one day Jesus shows up and changes it all. Which is what he wants to do in our lives as well. This is what the text says, verse 17, it says, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. (laughs) and they left their nets at once and followed him. Pastor, that was kinda simple. That was kinda quick. What I'm talking about is very simple because the call of God on our lives is very simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. I want you to see here there's a primary calling A high calling, a calling that is worthy of us walking, worthy of it. And it is a calling that changes everything in our lives. But I want you to see before I answer that, before I tell you what that is, even in what we just read, I want you to see what it is not. Because what Jesus did not do when he walked up to Simon and Andrew and say, I need you to pray this prayer. I need you to start being a good person. I need you to start going to church every week or at least once a month during hunting season. Come on, somebody. That's not what he did. That's not what he asked them to do. This is where I think we miss Christianity. This is where I think we miss the beauty of the call of God on our lives. That's why so many people, you go to churches that don't change your life. And you just add religion to your life as if that's enough to somehow fulfill the plan of God for your life. Well, I go to church. Y'all have heard me say this so many times and I'm gonna say it again. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. That's not the thing that God expected of us. It's not the thing that he ultimately wanted for us. That's important but it's not the primary calling. What Jesus is laying out for us is the primary calling. Again, we want to be a good person. We wanna pay our bills on time. We wanna go to church and add a little morality to our lives. We wanna be a better person. And in doing so, we end up missing the call of God on our life. And we end up with what I call a dysfunctional loyalty. Some of us are too loyal, so loyal to our family's way of doing things that we're going to miss the call of God on our life. Some of us are so loyal to the church we grew up in, even though God's not doing anything in our life, that, that we refuse to make a change. Some of us are so loyal to, these are my friends, this is, I grew up with them. And the reason why I call it a dysfunctional loyalty is because you are more loyal to it than it is to you. It's not changing anything in you. It's not helping you. Following the trend and the pattern and the world system of doing things, even though you add a little bit of church into it, it doesn't make it the call of God on your life. Here is the call of God, the primary call of God, the most important call of God on your life. And some of you, please hear me, hear me, hear me. Do not miss this. Here's Jesus' call. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Very simple, yet very profound. Seemingly not a big deal, but in the grand scope of things, it changes everything. Come and follow me. Pastor, that sounds too simple again. It is. It is. But it's not easy. Now now in Mark chapter 10, again, 17 and 18, we see two things at work here. We see a primary calling and we see a secondary calling. Okay, so the primary calling, as I just mentioned, is come follow me. The secondary calling that you see is the result of what happens when you obey the first primary calling. You obey the come follow me and then Jesus says secondarily, I will show you how to fish for people. In other words, he's saying, if you follow me, this will be the result. If you follow me, I will give you what you're supposed to do. I will show you why you were created. I will make you what I've designed for you from the very beginning of time. But first, you have to follow me. That's the primary calling. And again, that sounds very simple. Until, until. Let me give you some of the untils. Until you don't understand where Jesus is leading you. It's very simple until you don't agree with where Jesus is leading you. It's very simple until you don't like where Jesus is leading you. See, I think sometimes we treat the call of God on our lives like our children do. And this is what I mean by that. Have you ever asked your kids to do something and they ask you, why? Hey, go do this. Why? Hey, we're getting ready to go. I need y'all to hurry up. Why? And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, because I said so. (laughs) First and foremost. Second, because I said so. (laughs) And I think we we can joke about that and we get frustrated about that with our kids at times, but that's exactly what we do to God. I want you to do this. Why? God, I don't like that. God, I don't know if I, listen, I know you created like the heavens and earth and everything, but I don't think you understand Jesus. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we want to know the where, the when, and the how when Jesus is simply saying, come follow me. I didn't ask you to understand. I asked you to follow. I didn't ask you to agree. I asked you to follow. I didn't even ask you to like it. I asked you to follow. Because what he knows and we don't know is by following him, he has what's ultimately best for us even when we don't have what's best for us. he knows us. I, there was this meme and it just, just came to mind. I, I love memes, by the way. There's a few people in our church that sometimes will send about five different memes to one another throughout the day. Where's Donald Thornton? It's my meme, buddy. But there's this meme that I saw and it was a picture of Jesus asking a little girl for her little doll. She had this little teddy bear And he was reaching out his hand, and he was asking her to give it to him. And she was saying, I don't want to give it to you. And he had this giant teddy bear behind him that he wanted to exchange for what she had in order to give her something far better. And that is a really simple picture of a very grand process and exchange that God has. Because he doesn't just ask for your teddy bears. He asks for your life. He says, give me your life so that I can give you abundant life. You're holding on to this. And if you let it go, I have this for you. That's the grand exchange. That's why he asked us, come and follow him. Apart from the fact that he created us and he made us and we belong to him anyway. We belong to him anyway. Now I want to point out something as well, because I think we ask the wrong questions at times. You can decide to stop following Jesus. Let me make that abundantly clear. You can decide to stop following Jesus. Well, Pastor, what about this theologically and this, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even talking about that. So I'm not trying to give you a a, a theological explanation. What I'm trying to explain to you is you can do what Judas did. Follow him and then decide not to follow him anymore. That can happen. And I think the reason why that's so complicated for us is because we ask ourselves the wrong questions. We ask ourselves questions like, how close to the line can I get without going over? We wanna know, what can I get away with before I go to hell? I wanna know, Pastor, how much can I do and God still love me? First of all, he's always gonna love you no matter what. That's never going to change. But what I'm talking about is not how close can I get to the line, not where's the line where I messed up and I've messed up forever. What I'm talking about is actively choosing and deciding every single day of your life to follow him. Are you following him? Because that is his call. That is his plan. That is his command. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. There comes moments in our lives when we follow Jesus, when you fall, when you mess up. But that's the beauty of following Jesus. Because the Bible says when the righteous man falls, he gets, falls seven times, he gets back up seven times. When you fall, when you've messed up, look, don't miss this. Some of you are in that place right now where you feel like I've blown it, I've messed up. God doesn't even love me anymore. Yes, he does. He's never stopped loving you. But it's time for you to get up and keep following. Keep following. See, we love when when following Jesus gives us all of the blessings Right, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We love when, when the, that brand new Christian faith, when you ask God for a parking spot in Target and he just parts the Red Sea. We love that. We love when, when there's a, a financial challenge and all of a sudden a check just happens to come in the mail for you. We love that. We love it when our kids are grateful. We love that. We love it when our husbands or wives are acting right. We love that. We love when our prayers are being answered and our loved ones are being saved when there's peace in your soul and you feel it. But what about when following Jesus challenges you? What about, can I get real practical with y'all? Three of y'all agree to that but I'm going to anyway. (laughs) What about when following Jesus challenges your political views? Can I go there for a moment? What happens when the school of thinking that you've been trained to think in and categorize yourself, when following Jesus causes you to rock that boat a little bit? Let me give you a very practical example, and we celebrated this last week, but Roe versus Wade, and I know it's highly politicized and highly debated, and there's this and there's that. Can I be very honest with you? It's, for me, it's a very simple matter. It's a matter of life and death, and we choose life. It's a very simple matter. Abortion, biblically, you don't have to clap. It's okay. Some of you all like, do I clap? it. We're celebrating it because abortion is wrong. There's no other way around that. It is wrong. It is a sin. Why? Because we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And anytime you take a life created in the image of likeness of God, you are quenching the Imago Day. So that's why. And I know that may challenge some of your politics. Don't let your politics be greater than your following God. Don't let your politics stop you when it's time to be compassionate to a circumstance you don't understand. Be merciful and kind to people. Be generous to people. I don't know, they should get a job. Yeah, they should, but you should still be compassionate and kind and generous. See, God is not gonna judge you by how good of a Republican or Democrat you were. He's gonna judge you by how you followed him. And following him will challenge both of those parties. But his command on us is the same, follow me. Now, even as I go back, and I know y'all are uncomfortable with this, but I want to continue to stay in this for a moment because I want us to see something. If he asks us to do this, let's get straight, let's get cut through all of that mess, and let's serve those ladies who need us, those women who've made horrible decisions with their lives, and they need help. They need the help of the church, not the judgment of the church. See, again, let me give you a little plug. As a church, we've been doing foster care for many years. We've been helping unwed mothers. We have a a small group in here, and y'all have heard us talk about it from time to time. A lady named Sherry Terrier who's taken unwed mothers and literally walk them through the process of what it means to become a mom, a single mom, throws a baby shower for them, lavishes them with gifts and blesses them. A couple years ago, one of them received a car. Okay, that's what God wants us to do is to take care of people who need our help. I don't know if I want to help people who got themselves into this. Thank God Jesus didn't do that to us. Thank God. In the month of July, I just uh, wanted to encourage you guys with this as well. In our foyer, you're gonna see um, we're gonna have we're gonna be receiving gifts. through Love Acadiana, our our outreach ministry for local pregnancy centers. And you can donate diapers, you can donate wipes, you can donate uh, baby shampoo, baby wash, newborn onesies, and any of those different things. You can go to our website, loveacadiana.org and get that information and you can give towards that. Why? Because I want us to get beyond our politics and I want us to obey the call of God. I want us to serve people and serve Jesus. But what happens when Jesus challenges your politics? What happens, listen to this, how about this one? How about when following Jesus causes you to lose friends? What happens when following Jesus infringes upon your greed? Because he asks you to be a generous giver. He asks you to bless those who need him, those in need. What happens when that happens? What happens when following Jesus causes you to live sexually pure, to live a sexually moral life? Because that's part of the call. Again, it's very simple, but it is not very easy. But it's what he asks of us, come and follow me. There's this beautiful song, and I love this song. Most of you in this place will know it. And it says... I have decided to follow Jesus sing it with me to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back now We love that, and I love the words, though none go with me, still I will follow, right? I love that. I love the part where it it says, the cross before me, the world behind me. But sometimes in our journey, we, we change things. We say things like, if I understand, still I will follow. If it blesses me, still I will follow. If everyone's pleased, then I will follow. No turning back, at least for now. Right? That was not good, so please don't even act like. I appreciate your encouragement. But that's how conditional we treat following Jesus. Practically speaking, pastor, how do I follow him? How do I follow Jesus? What are are his ways? The things that he's taught us in the Bible. He's already given us his word. And he says, follow this. The things that the Holy Spirit prompts you when you wake up in the morning, do this. Or the thing the Holy Spirit's been nagging at your heart to let go of, to get rid of, to turn away from. That's how you follow. Following the people that he's placed in your life that can say like the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. That's how you follow him. It's not about just the outward works that you do that look good for everyone to see. It's about your willingness to follow him. Again, we don't do the stuff to follow Jesus. We do the stuff because we're following Jesus. Now, as I'm, I'm gonna be closing soon but I wanna contrast the story of these two men who heard that glorious call, come follow me, with another young man who heard those same words this is what the Bible says, same book, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, as Jesus was turning, excuse me, was Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do inher- to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked, only God is truly good. Jesus was not denying his divinity in that moment. He was getting ready to teach this man something. Verse 19. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was a child. This man said, I've done all this stuff, Jesus. I've been a good church boy, I've done it all. And then Jesus goes beyond that, looks right into his heart, and he says this in verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Same call. However, this response was different verse 22 at this the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions outwardly speaking this man had it all together he looked good he was young he was wealthy he had the world going for him he was religious but Jesus bypassed all of that and went right to the heart of the matter and said I know who your real God is and if you be willing to let go of that god and come and follow me you have eternal life you have abundant life and this man let go of the greatest call ever given by the greatest man who ever lived for stuff for stuff i love the way miss michelle loranza puts this she says you never know what's on the other side of your obedience You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. This man probably could have been one of the disciples of the followers of Jesus, but he let that go. As a close, here's the real question. Because many of us do great things and we do good works and we do all kinds of stuff that looks religious. The real question is, who are we really doing this for? Who are we really doing this for? Again, Os Guinness in his book, The Call, wrote this. He says, the question is not whether we have an audience, but which audience we have. Are we living to please ourselves? Are we living to please everybody else? Are we living to please the audience of, excuse me, for the audience of one living to please God because when you're living in the fear of the Lord to honor and to please him he affects and permeates everything when you heed that call come follow me you stop trying to figure it all out you stop resisting God in the areas of your life that you know he's actively been pursuing you in some of you in this place today if we're being honest you're mad at God it's hard for you to say that You don't want to admit that, but you're mad at him because you feel like he took that person away from you or he took that relationship out of your life or why didn't he open this door? When you choose to follow him, you realize that it may not look good right now, but he's not done yet. And he works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you will follow One day you'll understand. One day you'll understand. You stop hiding behind your good works. You you start following again. If you fall, then you get up. And you keep following. Church, if we're going to walk worthy of our calling, this is the calling. Come. Follow me.